Welcome to the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow. Well, thanks for joining us on the Switch Leader Podcast. My name is Josh. I am a youth pastor at Life Church, and I'm here hanging out with my good friend, James Meehan. How are you, James? Mm, I am doing so well, Josh. Honored and thankful to be here. Um, we were just discussing uh, at the, just before we started the podcast how James has a better microphone than me. So anyone else, if you're listening and you're thinking to yourself, man, James just sounds better than Josh. I want you to know it's not that he's a better person than me. It's just that he <laughs> has a better microphone. So I just wanted to clear that up. I felt like people might compare us and it's it's just that you have a better microphone. That's all that That's it good. is. That's good. Okay. If- so I'm not insecure. Stop saying it. Listen, if in your comparison of the sound quality, you were judging Josh or condemning him, then make sure you tune into next week's episode where Mm. we're going to talk a little bit about the second half of the content for Kingdom People. Because one of those weeks, we're going to talk about that. But that's not this week. That's next week. Right. So if you felt that in your heart, but yeah, if you felt that in your heart, which all of you did, then tune in (laughs) next week. Hey, so um, what we're going to do is we're going to start off with a couple of questions from Switch Leaders and um, questions that Switch Leaders have sent in, um, and we're going to kind of take a moment and answer them, and then we're going to get into the topic of this podcast, which is um, how do I know if I'm winning as a leader? And so James actually prefaced that at the beginning of the semester in a different uh, podcast, kind of like this is how you could win. And so now we're going to go back to it and talk about, hey, are you winning or are you failing? And I mean, you're probably not failing. It'll be fine. But, you know, if you're concerned about that, you might listen closely. So hey, this, this is uh, this is the first question um, from a switch leader. What's the best way to connect with parents that don't seem to show an interest in connecting? Mm, such a beautiful question. I have to often remind myself that people are people. Students are people. Parents are people youth pastors are people. <laughs> and, and, and the reason why this is an important reminder for me is that I know so many of the conversations that I helped switch leaders navigate when I was a youth pastor at our Edmond location was the tension they felt when they would be consistently reaching out to their students and they wouldn't get a response from their students. And right. the same thing oftentimes also happens when reaching out to parents. But here's what we see happen time and time again, is that when we keep showing up consistently, then that consistency builds trust and trust is the foundation of every relationship. And then what happens is eventually, if we show up enough for them, then they will eventually respond to us. And the thing that we've got to keep in mind is that these parents are probably really busy. They probably have a lot of things on their minds, on their plates, in their schedules. And so I think one of the best things that you can do is continue to reach out, continue to say hi to them when they pick up their kids at the end of the night, continue to text them, letting them know what happened during that night of switch, the things that are going on in the lives of their kid, so that you can consistently show up, establish trust, and eventually that will produce a relationship. Because we see it happen all the time with students where if we keep showing up, eventually they respond. Eventually they start to believe that we really are for them And this happens with parents too. Sometimes though, it can be just a little bit more tricky and complicated because we have less time with parents, but every touch, every phone call, every text message, every, hey, how are you? Hey, your kid was great today is a way that we build that relationship. 
Absolutely. James is always bringing um, such insightful things. People are people. Come on. So simple. So (laughs) simple, but just so wise. Um, And I think even uh, I think even Gavin mentioned it on a podcast last week. Um, (laughs) Gavin said they're more afraid of you than you are of them. Um, No, like at the at the end of the day, hey, you know, they've they have a lot going on in their lives, too. Sometimes I think we assume lots of things we shouldn't assume or we just get in our heads and we're like, they don't want to talk to me. When in reality, it's like, no, they're just super busy. And to be completely honest, they don't know you yet. And and give them a chance to do that. Um, hey, so great, great answer. Here's the second question um, from another switch leader that says, when trying to get a student to open up, how do you know when to keep leaning in or when to stop and move on? Great question. Mm-hmm. It's a really good question. Part of me wants to even know what they mean by move on, because I think that that that, that could be like a whole nother rabbit trail. So maybe we'll get to right. that. Maybe we won't. But if a student isn't willing to open up, how do we know how to keep leaning into that relationship or when we've maybe leaned in too much and we need to give them space? I think the thing that I would do is ask myself the question, if I were that student, then what would help me feel comfortable opening up? And the thing is, is I know that I am a very extroverted individual. And so if people give me a chance to talk, I will fill any amount of time that they give me. But if I were that student who might be a little bit more nervous because I'm newer to switch, or maybe I'm more introverted, then I ask myself the question, okay, if I were introverted, if I was maybe less comfortable opening up in a group discussion, maybe I'm less familiar with spiritual things. And so I don't want to make myself look bad by saying the wrong answer. Maybe I am honestly ashamed because of the sum of the decisions that I've made. And I feel this expectation being placed on me, maybe not by anybody at all. Maybe it's just something I'm placing on myself that I have to present myself as perfect because I'm a Christian now, then that might be something that holds me back from wanting to open up. And so I want to do the best that I can to practice empathy, to put myself in the shoes of that student and then begin asking the question, okay, if I were in their situation, what would help me open up? And sometimes it is just simply asking them the question. Sometimes it's pulling them aside outside of that small group time and taking extra time just to get to know them and figure out what it is that would make them feel comfortable. Now, if in your question asking and your uh, maybe pushing and prodding to try to get them to open up, it just doesn't seem like they're receptive to it, then I think it could be one of those situations where maybe their preference during this time and uh, getting adjusted is to just be somebody who sits and listens. Somebody who's just there to observe. Because there are times where people will very um, intentionally want to just be an observer in a conversation. And I think that's really okay. I think that sometimes uh, we can assume or expect that people will respond the way that we would in those situations. And this was really hard for me to get my head around because again, I'm a very loud extroverted person. So if you give me a chance to talk, I'm going to talk. And I remember earlier on in my, you know, leadership journey at Life Church, thinking that if somebody else wasn't talking, then there was something that was going wrong. <laughs> yep. But over time I started to realize, oh no, no, no. Like just people are people. Come on. See that callback? People are people, James. And some people are different than me. And I have to be able to learn how to appreciate their unique differences. And so 
I would say that sort of as like the ground level understanding of this question. And then even more than that, how do you know when to maybe move on or maybe create space? I like that language better because I don't think we should ever move on from our students. I think that the best thing we can do is continue to show up for them. But sometimes one of the most loving things we can do is give them space that they can just breathe and they can just be themselves. Because there are times Absolutely. where what people need is somebody to be asking them questions, be in conversation with them. But there's other times where what people need is to just have space, to process, to think, to ponder. And then when the time is right, they'll be willing to share and open up. And so all that being said, what would you want somebody to do, to do for you if you were in their situation? Absolutely. I think I think that's so good. And you mentioned like early early on in your leadership at the church thinking like if there's space, then we need to, need to fill it. I remember early on in my <laughs> leadership in the church thinking, I, I, it was so weird. I, I remember thinking as someone is presenting an issue to me, I need to be formulating my response. Like it was this weird, like insecurity mm. of like, I need to make sure that as soon as they stop talking, I spit out an answer. And in oh, reality, I, what was that? What that was the opposite of what I needed right. to be doing. Cause I was right. barely even listening to what they were saying. I was just thinking, I need to solve this problem before I hear the entire question. Like, right. And that's just not, that's just not how that works. And right. it's not even what was expected. And so I, I think that's really, really great for us as leaders to understand it's, it's also okay for you not to have the answer. Right. So like when a student is, is struggling with something and maybe you feel like, God, they're just not opening up about it. Well, that like you, you have, like you have time, like you build a relationship. Don't feel like this has to get fixed this week. Don't feel like you've got like you, you're on this strict timeline of, of man, if I don't get the student to open up by week two, like what, what if they never, you know, I know students that haven't opened up for a really long time and then eventually did. And it was in the yeah. time that they were willing to do so as long as we're there and continuing to listen. So, um, hey, thank you so much. Those of you that submitted those questions, thank you so much. If you are a switch leader and you're like, man, I've got a great question and you're maybe thinking to yourself. I know that you guys think those questions were good, but those questions are garbage compared to what I have. You might be thinking that. And they weren't garbage, but you might be thinking that in your head. We would love to hear your questions. And you can submit those to us um, by sending an email to switch at life.church. So just send an email to switch at life.church. And on. we would love to have an opportunity to address questions that you may have. Because think about it. If you as a switch leader have a question, there is a solid chance that yep. many other switch switch leaders throughout our church are asking themselves the same thing. So please send in your questions. Uh, so now we're going to get into our topic for the day and kind of like what we're wanting to cover this week. And it is the idea of how do I know as a switch leader, how do I know if I'm winning? And James, you talked with us a few weeks ago about, or about a month ago, you talked to us about the idea of like, how do I win, right? I'm starting off a new switch semester as a switch leader. How do I go into this year? What are the things that I do to win? And so now we've let a little bit of time go by. We're getting into the semester. You've had an leaders have, have had an opportunity to connect with students and maybe learn some names, get to know um, their group. And so now we're going, how do I know a month in whether or not I'm winning? Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Yeah, man, absolutely. I think this is such an important question because as human beings, we desire the feeling that we are making progress. And I think the thing that can be so challenging about ministry in any capacity is that when we are dealing with people, 
that that sense of progress can be really hard to measure. It can be really hard to know if we're winning, right? If you're playing basketball, you know that you are making progress. You know that you are winning if the score for your team is higher than the score for the other team. But when it comes to leading students to become fully devoted followers of Christ, yes, there are indicators that if we can pay attention to them, they can help us have a better idea of whether we're winning or not. But it's usually not super obvious or loud. And I think what's important for us to recognize is that this is exactly what Jesus told us it would be like. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of God is like a little bit of yeast in a whole lot of dough. The kingdom of God starts small. It grows slowly, but eventually you're going to be able to tell that there's something that's been going on here. One of the things that is most challenging to me as a pastor on staff at Life Church is the idea that at the end of Jesus's three years of ministry in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 15, um, we're told that there were about 120 believers in Jerusalem. There were about 120 believers in Jerusalem. So let's think about this. Jesus, the Son of God, who entered history, preached the gospel, called disciples, did miraculous acts of healing and casting out demons over the span of three years during his public ministry, who was then crucified on a cross and miraculously rose from the grave. And then after rising from the grave, spent another 40 days with his followers before ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. That guy, after ascending into heaven, we're told that there were about 120 believers in Jerusalem. If I were to measure success based off of the way that I typically would as a youth pastor, then that doesn't seem like very successful ministry, <laughs> right? <laughs> like Jesus, the right. son of God is performing miracles. And after he leaves earth, we're told there's 120 believers. And so, so this is why I bring this right. up because in Jesus's ministry, he demonstrates this super important principle that we have to understand is that success in the kingdom of God cannot be measured and counted the same way that we measure success in other areas, right? Like if you try Absolutely. to map out the kingdom of God and what God is doing in the lives of your students with the scientific method, you will miss the point. And so here's what I want to challenge us to do as switch leaders is to redefine how we measure success. Because if we're here to lead students to become fully devoted followers of Christ, we've got to ask the question, how do you become a fully devoted follower of Christ? Well, it's a journey that you take one step at a time. So in the same way that if you want to eat an elephant, you do it one bite at a time, we have to learn to notice every step on this journey of leading our students to become fully devoted followers of Christ. So I want to give you three ideas that have been really helpful for me to redefine success, not based off the standards of our modern culture, but based off of the standards of God's kingdom. So those three ideas are this. We're, we're ready for them. If, if anybody's still thinking about the scientific method and it's making you have PTSD about school, I'm sorry, but we're ready for James's three. Welcome. <laughs> so here's the three things. Thing number one, notice the little things. Thing number two, celebrate the little things. Thing number three, encourage the little things. You'll notice that in all three of those things, 
there's that continual repetition of the little things. <laughs> yep, that's good. So this is one of the things that uh, has been so important for me as a small group leader that leads sixth grade boys, that if I show up and expect night one, two, or three for my guys to engage in some sophisticated theological discussion about what it means to live as disciples of Jesus in our modern world, acknowledging the different influences and temptations of the consumeristic culture that we find ourselves in, then I will be severely disappointed. It's almost, I I, I actually started laughing, James, as you were, I mean, it's almost, I mean, I'm thinking about being in sixth grade, right? The things that are on my mind in sixth grade. Very different. Right. But here's the thing that's so important about this idea is that I know that there are times where we as switch leaders can create these expectations of what we want to see God do in the lives of our students that are our expectations. And those expectations get in the way of seeing the small, tiny changes that God is making in their lives. Right. Like I I remember um, countless switch leaders who would show up and they would be like, man, I'm just so ready to be a part of helping a student that is addicted to drugs experience freedom in Christ. You know, when I was a teenager, I had all these suicidal thoughts and I attempted to take my own life. And I'm so excited to help a student that was just like that discover that their life matters and that there is hope that is found in Jesus. And those are very, very real and meaningful passions and desires. And the fact that God has placed that desire in you is a big deal. And I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But what I do want to do is help you acknowledge that the way that we help students get to that place, to that destination, is one step at a time. So the first idea that I talked about is we notice the little things. I'm leading a group of sixth grade guys. And each week, there's been about 10 of us. Um, Week one, one of the guys, his name is Blake, he told me that he invited his friend Jax to come to switch. Now, Jax didn't show up, but Blake invited him. And so I noticed that. And I'm like, man, that's really cool that night one, one of my guys invited his friend to switch. I also noticed that on night one, another guy in my group um, was a constant distraction. (laughs) So like anytime anything was happening, he was uh, you know, laughing with his friend, making jokes, having sideways conversations. He wasn't paying attention when other people were speaking. And so I, I noticed that. And after that night, I pulled him aside and I had a conversation with him. And I said, hey, man, you know, we talked about how's a switch group. We want to be a group that respects each other, that listens to each other and shows up for each other. And I noticed that you weren't being very respectful and you weren't listening when the other guys were talking. Next week, can you please be a little bit more respectful and listen more when others are speaking? Because they look to your example and they're going to follow your lead. And I think there's leadership in you. I just want to see you use it to build up the guys in your group. Can you do that for me? And of course, you know, he kind of like with his eyes down, nodded his head and said, yeah, yeah, I can do that. Well, here's what's really cool. The next week, by no means was he perfect. By no means was he this influential example of what being a respectful kid is supposed to be. But here's what he did do. Whenever I called him out, when he wasn't listening, he actually started paying attention. And he spent a little bit more energy being engaged in the group and a little bit less energy being a distraction. And I noticed that. And so then whenever his parents came to pick him up that night, I went out and said, hey, like tonight was a really good night for this student because they were more engaged than they were last week. And I just really appreciated that. And so that's the first idea is notice the little things. Then that kind of naturally leads into the second part of celebrate the little things, because I think it can be really easy for us as we're navigating this journey of being switch leaders, as we're navigating this journey of being human beings to 
diminish the significance of the little things. And so obviously step one, we've got to notice them, but then we've got to learn how to celebrate them. Every night before I go to bed, I journal and I ask myself, what were some wins from today? And sometimes the wins for that day were literally, I woke up and I worked out. <laughs> like right. I actually did a workout. I'm not saying it was a good workout. Like I didn't PR, I didn't do any of that, but I worked out. <laughs> like some days it's, hey, one of my students invited a friend to switch. Like that's a win. And so I'm trying to train myself to notice and celebrate the little things because I am very much the kind of person where if it's not obvious, if it's not loud, if I'm not number one, then I assume I'm not winning. But that is so opposite of the way Jesus talks about success and effectiveness in the kingdom of God, because it starts small, it grows slowly, but eventually you cannot deny that something is happening. And so I want to notice the little things. I want to celebrate the little things. And so I mentioned how I had that conversation with this student's parents where I said, hey, this is what happened. He was more engaged and he paid more attention this week than he did last week. And I really appreciated that. And so not only am I celebrating it for myself, but I want to celebrate it for those parents to be able to encourage them to know that, hey, their son, who's a sixth grader, who is very clearly a um, easily distracted individual that very likely gets into trouble, not just at Switch, but also at home and probably at school based off of some of the comments that this individual has made. They're like, man, I want to celebrate their progress, not just for me, but also for them and for their parents to know that, hey, here at Switch, we're helping them move forward in this journey. And so how do we know we're winning as Switch leaders? I think first, we want to notice little things. Second, we want to celebrate the little things. And lastly, we want to encourage the little things. And so I said this to the parents as an encouragement. And that night I had a conversation with this guy and I said, Hey, tonight was really, really great. I asked you last week to be more respectful and to listen more. And even though the tonight wasn't perfect, I had to get on to you a few times. I noticed that you were trying and I really, really appreciate that. And I want to see you do more of that because when you do that, you're making our entire group better because you're showing them that you respect them and that you care about them. And for a lot of these guys, that's exactly what they need. And so for you as a switch leader, whether you're leading a small group or you are serving on host team or cover two or whatever role you're serving in, here's what I want to ask you. What are the little things that you have not yet been noticing? Is there a student who maybe night one showed up and didn't even look you in the eyes, but maybe this last week they had a smile on their face? Did you notice that? And then not only did you notice it, but did you celebrate it and did you encourage more of it. Because the more that we can notice the little things, celebrate the little things, and encourage the little things, the more we can actually motivate and inspire our students to help them recognize that they are making progress in this journey of becoming fully devoted followers of Christ. Because the destination that we have in sight of becoming more like Jesus and loving others more like Jesus loves us is not a super clear destination. And because of that, the journey can be really challenging and sometimes even discouraging because we feel like we're not making progress. But when we learn how to identify what success looks like in the kingdom of God, usually not flashy and obvious and loud, it's usually really small, really subtle, but it is always significant. Then what we can do is encourage and lead by example for our students to follow in our footsteps as we are following Jesus. I love all that so much, James. Those are really, really good. So there's there's three. Notice the little things, celebrate the little things, and encourage the little things. And 
you, as you were talking, you gave the example of like leaders that show up and they have this kind of like a preconceived idea in their head of what they are thinking this could look like. And yeah. again, it's not a bad, it's not like, it's not out of ill intentions. It, it's actually out of a pure yeah. heart, right? It's going, 100%. man, as a kid, I experienced significant pain that I want to help these other kids not have to experience. And so it's, yeah. it's like, People And it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, I have had so many people come to me over the years and I say, hey, like they want to serve and switch. And I'm like, why do you want to serve and switch? And most of the time it's, well, there, there's, it's one of two questions, two answers most of the time, not all the time, but it's usually either, well, I experience significant trials or pain, or like you had said, drug addiction, or just, just went down the wrong path. And I want to help students not go down that same path. Great reason, right? Like, I'm like, awesome. That's, we want you to help students do that, that same thing. Or the other one is I, as a kid grew up and I had an adult who invested their life in mine. And yeah. I, and I feel that it is important that I do the same thing for other people. And so for wow. other students. And so, so both of those great answers and great reasons. It's just what, what I hear you saying is, but don't do it in an unhealthy way that sets right. you up for for expectations that are unrealistic or yep. sets you up for maybe expecting something to happen that was never what God intended to happen. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's, so in other words, like I want to meet students and I want to help those students who um, were are addicted to drugs or have gone down that super bad path because I went down that path. And I, I think that I can connect with them. Awesome. You may actually meet some students who have done just that. The issue is you may accidentally expect them to take then the same path you took to healing. Or you could think I'm going to help them avoid the pain I, I experienced and then they don't avoid it. And they yeah. still go and experience the pain that you yeah. experienced. And that could make you think, well, dang, I must have failed this kid. Like, I don't, I guess I didn't hit the mark. When in reality, it's no, you planted a seed. Like you, you did something that helped them see that they were loved and cared for. You talked to them about the love and grace of Jesus. So that now that they have made the bad decisions that you made, they also get to be reminded, you know what? I screwed up big. I made some really bad decisions, but my small group leader in switch, as I was growing up, talked to me about the fact that Jesus loves me and that regardless of the decisions I make, my mistakes were washed clean when he gave his life for me and when I accepted that sacrifice. And so it, our use in the kingdom, we, we don't really get to decide. Like we don't just get to show up and be like, God, I think... I, I th I'm more of like a tile person. And so I think I'm willing <laughs> to lay the tiles in the bathroom and God's yeah, like, yeah. well, that's really cool. But I was actually thinking you were just going to wash the dishes. And then you yeah. could go, God, I love washing dishes because you want me to wash the dishes. And so I'm going to do whatever it is that you want. And so whatever it is, whatever position he puts us in, it's got to be his plan, not our plan. And we just have that's to have patience and be open to whatever that looks like. So, so good. James, thank you for, um, thank you for giving us some insight and some wisdom into what it looks like. Um, not only to win as a small group leader, but helping us understand whether or not we currently are. Um, do you have anything else that you'd like to share any like 
last words of encouragement um, as our switch leaders take on another week? Yeah, I would, I would offer this. This is from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was an absolutely brilliant theologian and pastor who died as a martyr during World War II resisting Nazi Germany. And he said once that the person who is in love with their vision of community will destroy community. But the person who loves the people around them will create community wherever they go. And so my challenge would be, do not be so in love with your vision of what God wants to do in you, that you actually are blinded to the people that God has put right in front of you to love them where they are. Because when we do that, then we will win as switch leaders. Dang, that is so good. Um, man, thank you so much for your time today, James. Everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you've uh, been able to tune into the Switch Leader Podcast. I, I want to remind everybody, if you've got questions, or maybe you're like, I have a topic. Like, I have a topic that I think is worth discussing that would help other Switch Leaders within the church. Please remember, submit those questions or those topic ideas to switch at life.church, um, and we would love to have the opportunity to address those. Thank you guys for joining the Switch Leader Podcast, where we decide today the leader we will be tomorrow.